Good morning. March 7th. March 7th. It's a day historically that changed the United States. That did something that nothing before it had been able to do. It's a day that catapulted us into becoming a genuine democracy. Today, March 7th, 2021, we have our role to play, our work to do, our contributions, our treasure, our time. We don't stand alone in this time. We stand with millions who are committed to a democracy, to the right to vote. March 7th. This morning's podcast, I want to talk about Selma and a march that became known as Bloody Sunday on March 7th, 1965. It's a day and a people that I have learned a lot about in the last 15 years of my life. And it is a day and a people that have transformed who I am as a person and have committed me on this journey as a professor, as an adult, as a citizen, as an organizer to do the work of common power. I want to tell this story about Selma and then end with us because all of these moments always come to us. In 1964, the United States passed the Civil Rights Act. Lyndon Johnson, as president, carried out the wishes of John F. Kennedy to get this bill passed. And he, he wore down and broke the Southern Democratic filibuster. Johnson knew how the Senate worked, having been majority leader before he became vice president. And he was able to just will through intimidation, through strength, through determination, through wisdom, to will the Senate caucuses, the Democrats and Republicans, to get the Civil Rights Act passed. It's an act that changed America in 1964. It outlawed discrimination in public accommodations, bringing the 14th Amendment uh, full full weight and power for all of America inequality. I I recommend that you watch the Netflix series called Amend, as in Amend the Constitution. It's a eight-part series, I believe, eight parts. It's uh, I'm halfway through, and it's on the 14th Amendment, the power of the 14th Amendment. Civil Rights Act of 1964 is a landmark piece of, of, uh, of legislation in our country. And in fact, it's the basis for the Equality Act that was just passed by Congress recently to extend the 1964 uh, Civil Rights Act to include uh, gender identity. But the 1964 Civil Rights Act did not say anything about voting. It had started out with a section on voting, but it had been removed during the course of the Senate debate. Um, It was a bridge too far to get that through at that time. As a result, the civil rights movement, Dr. King and others, 
knew that they still needed to climb this mountain to get voting enshrined in the, into our national uh, protections. And Lyndon Johnson, as we see in Robert Caro's books, and also in books by Taylor Branch on Martin Luther King Jr., Lyndon Johnson told King, make me pass the voting rights act. Make me do it. And King said, okay. So King in 1965, on January 2nd, came to Selma, Alabama. And he came there because they'd been fighting for voting rights in that small, small town since the 1920s. There had been a group called the Courageous Eight who had been meeting in secret, all African American, had been meeting in secret to fight for voting rights and to figure out how to get through the racist system. Um, they had to, had to meet in secret because the Selma um, Sheriff's Office, which had been one sheriff after another, white, all white, had made it against the law for people to meet three or more people um, in public uh, for the interest of it, for folks who are interested in changing the law. This, this, this policy in Selma was completely against the law in this country, but it didn't matter. The Courageous Eight had been meeting, and they were led by two people, a married couple, Amelia Boynton and Samuel Boynton. And Amelia and Samuel Boynton uh, became the very first African Americans who got through the registration process and registered to vote in Dallas County, where Selma is. And they did so in the 1930s. But by 1965, only 2% of black voters in Selma had been able to navigate their way to get through the registrar process. You had to name every judge in the county in order to be accepted to register to vote if you were a black person in Selma. That was how the voting registrar controlled the power levers, which is one of the many ways. King went there because that movement was strong, because he felt that if he came, he could bring attention there and the national spotlight. Now, King didn't come uh, by himself. He had been there uh, in front of him for, for many years had been the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Bernard Lafayette, Dr. Bernard Lafayette, who I've had the privilege to get to know, uh, had been in Selma since 1962 uh, when he had accepted the kind of leadership of the Selma work from the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. There's a great passage in uh, Bernard Lafayette's memoirs. Uh, he's, he's in his 80s today. He's still still uh, very alive and uh, honored to know the man. Uh, he had been told by Jim Foreman, who was the head of SNCC, that you, no one could organize in Selma. No one. Um, and uh, Lafayette, who had not been there, said, I'll take it sight unseen. And so he went there in early 1963 to organize in Selma. So by the time King came, there had been SNCC there for two years organizing. There had been the Courageous Eight. And it was time for King to bring his three M's, as they talk about the movement, media, mojo, and motivation, the three M's. Just, it just dawns on me right now that we have, our, of course, our three M's in common power, 
mindset, mojo, and mobilization. Well, King would bring his three M's, media, attention, money, to support the work, and motivation. Now, I, I, there's so many things that I could include in this story because I've, I've mentally lived and been inspired by these folks for so long. But we'll go to March 7th, 1965. 200, I'm sorry, 600 local Selmians and people in Western Alabama came to march. And they came to march this particular day because there had been a member of the voting rights work, the democracy work there in, in a nearby uh, Perry County who had been killed, Jimmy Lee Jackson. He was a Marine veteran. He was a, uh, a deacon in his church, and he had died protecting his father during some police brutality. In honor of Jackson, the movement decided to march from Selma to Montgomery, the capital where the capital is, and they wanted to march 56 miles to Montgomery and present a, a series of petitions for the right to vote to the governor, who was George Wallace. So they started to march on March 7th. And they walked about a mile from Brown Chapel, uh, which is in the heart of the, the African-American uh, part of town. And they obeyed every street law. They waited for lights. They walked down sidewalks. They walked two by two. And when you talk to people today who were part of that morning, they remember what number they were in line. They will tell you with all the pride they should rightfully have. They will tell you. I've had the privilege to meet some of these people. And when they came over, and you have to go over the Alabama River as you leave the town of Selma, walking or drive, walking or today driving towards Montgomery. And you go over the Edmund Pettus Bridge, named after a, a, a racist, slave-owning, segregationist, Civil War general. And you come over the Edmund Pettus Bridge, and the bridge has this arc to it, an arc that you can't see over on the other side. You can't. It, you just can't see on the other side. And there were no cell phones then. Um, but there was word that on the other side were a group of Alabama police and all the local, the sheriff and all the local people he had deputized. Jim Clark was the racist set, uh, uh Sheriff there in town, he had deputized all white men who were interested in being white, deputized. They were on horses, they had clubs, they of course had their weapons. They were there. So the Alabama State Police and the Sheriff's Office were there and they blocked the road. And when, they, when the group got to the top of the Evan Pettus Bridge and looked to the other side, John Lewis, who was one of the two people in the front of the line with Hosea Williams, turned to Hosea Williams and said, and they looked down at the river that they were walking over on the bridge. And Williams said to Hosea, can you swim? And Hosea Williams said, no, I can't. And Lewis said, neither can I. And they kept walking. And they walked and they walked down to the base of the bridge on their side and they stood 15 feet from the Alabama State Troopers and the sheriffs and they stopped. They were ordered to stop. And they stopped. And the local sheriff's office said, you have two minutes to disperse. Go 
go back to your churches. And they stood there. The marchers stood there. And they didn't disperse. And in about one minute, not even two, the police set upon them and proceeded to beat them, to beat them, to beat them, and to beat them. And they chased them all the way across, back across the bridge, all the way back that one mile to Brown Chapel, and then surrounded them. And they stood in surrounding of them, and they marched, the police did, through the community for the next four days. Because the, the, the police were not just interested in stopping the march. They wanted to enforce a point that they were determined on. And it was that this would never happen. Never. They had a button, a button that would say, that said never. That was worn by the whites of the time. Never. And that's the type, that's where I get the title, the word never in my lecture series I'm going to do in March 22nd, 23rd. From never to now, the fight for voting in America, 2021. And they surrounded, the police did, the locals who were fighting for voting rights. And enforced never. But nationally, this was covered. And there was national coverage on television, in newspapers, ABC broke into a movie that evening to issue a live report. The movie, with all the possible irony we can imagine, was about the Nuremberg trials. This national attention to Selma, to what became known as Bloody Sunday, spurred Lyndon Johnson and others to act. And King, who was not there that morning, and that is a different part of the story, but was not there. He was in Atlanta preaching. He had made a commitment to Ebenezer Baptist Church to be there, to, pre to preach, even though he was a member of the movement. So he would preach there on Sundays, and he was planning to come over the following day, just join the march, because it was going to take five days to go all the way to Montgomery. He was going to join the march. But King came over later that afternoon as soon as he could. Andrew Young called him over. Young was part of the group. And King came. And King issued a national appeal. He said, people, come to Selma. Come to Selma and stand with us. And thousands of Americans did. Many white Americans did. And eventually, the march would happen on March 21st, three, uh, two weeks later, after a set of legal actions, after Lyndon Johnson gave a speech in the U.S. Congress called the Voting Rights Act speech, just an unbelievable speech that I encourage you to take a look at. It's worth watching. It's about 20 minutes long. The closest thing I've seen to that speech was a, was a speech that, oh, actually two, that Barack Obama gave on on March 7th, 2015, on the 15th anniversary of Selma, when he came to Selma and spoke, introduced by John Lewis, I was there with students, with community members. What a moment. What a moment in American life. And then just, just this morning, our President Joe Biden issued a, a small speech and a statement 
but a very, with powerful meaning behind it. Invoking Selma, Bloody Sunday, and issuing an order, an executive order, to all federal agencies to commit to and develop a plan and enact it to expand the right to vote, voting access. It can't do a ton, what he put forward, but it can. There is a fair amount around access to diverse citizens, access for dis disabled citizens, and for people who work for the federal government, which is many, uh, to, to have these agencies create plans to support their ability to vote. On March 21st, they set out and they marched and took them five days and they came to Selma. And at the end of Selma, at the end of the march, they came in 25,000 strong into Selma, I'm sorry, into Montgomery, and went to the base of the state capitol where George Wallace was governor. He would not allow them to honor the grounds of the state capitol. But they gathered and they spoke. And the king gave a speech called the How Long Not Long speech. He said, how long will it take in this fight? He said, not long. King was often casting a vision. That's what he was doing, calling us forward. But it has been long. It is still long. It is longer than it should be. It should never have been here at all. But our fight for voting justice is still going. Uh, and it is, it is as vigorous of a fight as it's ever been. It's different. There is not violence today in the same way. African Americans do not risk their lives to vote, mostly in the same way. But the legal, the legal maneuvers, the political dimensions, the fact that a group of white Americans are committed to not allowing the right to vote for all Americans, particularly black and brown Americans, that's the same. That is, the, that is part of the story of America. It is part of our shame. Today, it's our Selma moment. It's America's Selma moment, 1965 to 2021. We have a congressional bill that has been adopted in the House of Representatives and now moves to the Senate starting in later in, in uh, two weeks, March 24th. It will begin to be heard and debated in the Senate. When I began to learn about the civil rights movement and all of its depth and heroism and courage, something changed for me. I'd always been someone who had cared about justice and equality, but I had not made it the focus of my life. I had been a I'd been a teacher and I loved being a teacher. The focus had been on knowledge. But when I began to to learn and meet these folks who took us all the way to Selma from their work in the 1940s and the 50s and all the way through the 60s and then beyond I pivoted my focus from knowledge to knowledge plus action. Today, March 7th, 2021, 
common power is an action organization. We all need to be action citizens. We got to get in, in the immortal words of one of those people who is a hero of mine, John Lewis. We got to get in good trouble. We will, we've got to do the work to fight. It is an existential moment for American voting and democracy. I believe that 2021 is the year that we pass the most important legislation since the Voting Rights Act. It's going to take constant pressure on the Congress. It's going to take a mobilized public. I expect that we will need to be in Washington, D.C. for some kind of national push. I expect we will have to move our feet locally. This is going to be months, months long. The podcast here is about knowledge. This one and all these I try to do. I'm committed to knowledge and action. That's what we do at Common Power. We do that with a commitment to next generation leadership, to everybody together, further together. It's America's Selma moment. America's Selma moment. The second one. Further together, folks.